It's Advent. And so we get to sing the Advent hymns. And one that we've all been looking forward to is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Let's stand and sing together. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. The reading this morning is from Luke 1, verses 67 to 80. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Let's pray as we turn to reflect on God's word. Lord, thank you that you did come to us as a mighty flood of love. I pray that as we look at this song that was sung before your coming, that you would reveal your heart to us through it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's dive into Zechariah's song. As I have said many, many times before, context is everything. And what I mean by context is the cultural, linguistic, historical setting of any passage that we find in the Bible. We've already looked at the context of Zechariah's song within the Christmas story that Luke tells us, that it's set within the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth's barrenness. And it is set within the context of Angels visiting both Zechariah and Mary. But there is a larger context that goes way back to the beginning of time. You see, the Christmas story didn't just happen out of the blue. It is part of a bigger story. And part of a meticulous plan that God has been weaving throughout history. A plan that he was weaving to reveal what he would do at just the right time. A plan that he revealed in Scripture to people down through the ages. A plan that comes to fruition at Christmas. 
Now, if you're a student of the Old Testament, you wouldn't be amiss as you read Zechariah's song to say that you've heard this line or that line before. Because you have. Zechariah's song is full of quotations from the Old Testament. And I'm not exaggerating here. In almost every line of Zechariah's song, you can find five or six Old Testament verses that Zechariah is either quoting verbatim or where he is using similar phraseology or or words found in the Hebrew scriptures. And that makes sense because that is how God works and that is how God has always worked. It also makes sense because of who Zechariah was and what Luke says was happening with him. Luke says in verse 67 that Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. I don't know if we're getting that up on the screen. I don't know if I've put the, the slides in order, but there's a, there's a slide that needs to come up now. We need to go to that bit of the... Is it stuck? Oh, you want to stop it and start it again? Because I don't want to lose you. It's easy to get lost because we're going to have to flip from... Zechariah's song to the Old Testament. I've put slides together so that we can do that this morning. Is it not working? Okay, it's frozen. Okay. Sorry about that, folks. Okay. If you've got a Bible, you probably should open it to Zechariah's song there in Luke chapter 1. Oh, here we go. Great. The Holy Spirit has come through. (laughs) Luke says in, in verse 67 that Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and that he prophesied. Now, often when we hear about the Holy Spirit and inspiring people to pronounce prophecies, we think that they're going to say something new. To prophesy or predict the future in a way that is shockingly new. In biblical prophecy, there are a lot of predictions that are new things that will happen. But more often than not, any new prophecy is built on what God has prophesied in the past, what he's revealed to other prophets, and what he's done in the past. And that is exactly what we see happening in Zechariah's song. Now, what prophecies does Zechariah see being fulfilled in the birth of these two babies? Well, in the first instance, Zechariah speaks not of John, this miracle baby that has just been born to his wife, Elizabeth, and this miracle baby that was such a blessing to him. He doesn't speak of John, but he speaks of Jesus, that other child that was going to be born to Mary. And of course, Zechariah is right to speak of Jesus first and foremost because Jesus is the center of it all and not John. Though John plays an important part. What does Zechariah say about Jesus in this song? Well, Zechariah sees Jesus fulfilling two very important prophecies in the Old Testament. Firstly, 
Zechariah digs back into the Old Testament. You remember, he had time. He couldn't hear or speak. He had time to read his Bible. I don't know if God needs to do that for me, make me so I can't hear or speak, so I can go back and look at my Bible. Hopefully, it doesn't have to go that far for me. But Zechariah digs back into the Old Testament to find that Jesus is the promised coming king. That he is to be a strong, saving king. That is what is meant by that word horn there in verse 69. A horn was a symbol for a coming king. A strong king. And according to Zechariah, God is going to raise up a king from the lineage of David. And we know that that is exactly who Jesus was. Not only was Joseph Jesus' adopted father from the family of David, but so too was Mary, his biological mother. Zechariah says that this prophecy of a coming king was predicted through the prophets long before. And of course, he is thinking of the many, many prophecies in the Old Testament about a coming Messiah. Prophecies that said that the Messiah would be born as one of David's descendants and that there would always be a Davidic king to sit on David's throne. Now, the main prophecy that Zechariah seems to be thinking about is found in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And these are words spoken to David through the prophet Nathan at the end of David's life. Nathan says, as God's spokesperson, I will provide a place for my people and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people shall not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So that is one of one prophecy Zechariah sees fulfilled in Jesus. And you see the language. Do you hear the language in Zechariah's song that is so familiar in to Samuel a horn of salvation raised up in the house of David to give rest from their enemies and the second prophecy that Zechariah sees Jesus fulfilling is a promise that God has given even long before his promise to David in verses 72 and 73 Zechariah sings that God has made a covenant an agreement by swearing an oath, making a promise to Abraham. And if you search through the Old Testament, as surely Zechariah did, you will find the many places where God makes promises to Abraham. 
And the one passage that I believe Zechariah seems to be referring to here is a good summary of all the promises to Abraham. It comes in Genesis 22, where God says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. This promise is made to Abraham right after he offers his own son Isaac as a sacrifice to God. And God, instead of taking Isaac as a sacrifice, provides a ram instead. Again, a prediction of what will happen on the cross, I believe. So according to Zechariah, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, reflecting on scripture that was also inspired by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecies in the Old Testament. Firstly, he is the fulfillment of the promise to raise up a king in David's line. And secondly, Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy to bless Abraham's descendants and through them to be a blessing for the whole world. Now, after Zechariah has spoken of Jesus and what his birth will mean, he comes on to John. Zechariah's love for this little baby is so obvious here in his song. You can just picture the scene. Family and neighbors are gathered around to celebrate them. The miraculous birth of this baby to these two elderly saints. It was the occasion of John's circumcision, which is a bit like a, a child's christening for us today. And as Zechariah's mouth for the first time after nine months of silence is opened, he speaks first of God's faithfulness in sending Jesus. And then he turns to his own particular joy. And he takes the baby John in his arms and he proclaims, and you, my child, and you, my child. And no surprises here, Zechariah again refers to Old Testament prophecies that predicted the coming of John as a forerunner and herald to Jesus. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And of course, that is exactly what John would go on to be and to do. He will be John the Baptist, to whom people went to repent of their sins, to get ready for the coming of the Messiah. And the Old Testament prophecies that Zechariah sees as being fulfilled in the birth of his son John are found in Isaiah 40, and in Malachi 3, Isaiah 40, one that we often read at this time of year, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And then in Malachi, 
a passage that's not so familiar but speaks clearly of this event. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So in Zechariah's song, we see a, a continuity with what has been prophesied in the Old Testament. But we also see Zechariah inspired by the Holy Spirit pushing the envelope and seeing in this movement that God has initiated, this movement in the birth of these two babies, something that is earth-shattering in its magnitude, something new that no one has ever seen the likes of before or ever will again. And in the next line of Zechariah's song, we have two words that express one of the most beautiful sentiments to be found in the Bible. And although the language sounds familiar to us, these two words are unique to Zechariah's song. They are found together only here in the Bible. Listen to these two words for a moment. This is Zechariah speaking of all that he has said about what God is doing through the birth of Jesus and of John. And he sings all of this, all of this is because of the tender mercy of our God. Tender mercy is a unique phrase found only here. In the Greek language, the word translated tender literally means from the inner parts. They mean from the seat of emotion, from the guts. What God is doing here, according to Zechariah, unveils God's very heart. What God is doing through the birth of Jesus and of John is unveiling his heart like nothing else will ever do. And of course, with hindsight, we will understand that what is being prophesied here will be revealed in all its awe. As God himself in the person of Jesus goes to the cross to die for us and to rise again to give new life to the world. Reaching out to you and to me with tender mercy. That's what God is all about. I wonder if you've heard those words yet. God has tender mercy towards you. Have you heard those words? Not just with your ears, but with your heart. And I wonder if you've trusted in God's tender mercy towards you. I wonder if you've done it already, if you'd do it again, and if you never have, 
you might do it for the first time today. Trust in his tender mercy that is a gift that he gives to you. God's heart is a heart of tender mercy. Let's let that thought wash over us. Let's bow our heads in prayer. And all our worry for family and friends. God's heart is a heart of tender mercy. And all our worry for our own health and this new strain of COVID-19. God's heart is a heart of tender mercy. And our worry about where our life is going, our personal finances and even the global economy. God's heart is a heart of mercy. In all our futile striving to be good enough. In all our defensiveness about the critical words that people say to us or the critical things we think of ourselves, God's heart is a heart of mercy. And in a world where a six-year-old is beaten to death by the very people who should have loved him, God's heart is broken and it is a heart of tender mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. Thank you that you came the rising sun from heaven down to a world such as this. Thank you that in your brokenness we may find healing. And in your vulnerable love is our strength. That in your death is our hope for eternal life. Lord God, help us in this Advent season as we hear the songs of Mary and Zechariah, of the angels and of saints like Simeon, to grow in our awe of who you are and what you have done. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn of response is an ancient one. It was written sometime after 300 AD by a man named Aurelius Prudentius of the Father's love begotten. Let's stand and sing. Fourth light and darkness could not overcome it. He brought forth light in the form of your son, Jesus the Christ, who continues to shine the light of hope in a world of darkness and despair.
as we have lit the candle of love. We pray for those who do not feel loved. We pray for those who struggle to love others. And we pray especially today for children who do not feel loved. For those abused and neglected. Lord, we know your heart breaks for them. And so we ask you through friends, neighbors, teachers and authorities. And in ways only you are able to do come to their aid. Let these little ones know that you, they are loved above all by you. You, their heavenly father. Holy God, be the light in our darkness today. As we have lit the candle for hope. We pray for those who feel hopeless. Pray for those caring for others who today might be at the end of their tether. We pray for those who have given up trying to change or to see change in their circumstances. We pray for those who struggle with addictions. And we ask you, Lord, to rise as the day spring coming down from heaven. Surround these folks with your light and warmth. Give them strength only you can give to hope for tomorrow. Holy one, be the light in our darkness today. That we, your people, might reflect your light into the dark corners of our world. For we pray these prayers in the name of of our coming light even Jesus Christ our Lord Amen